Exodus chapter 13, we're going to be in verses 17 through 22. Now, I'm going to read this text, but I'm not going to preach through this text as I normally would. There's a few things that I need to share, some things that we need to talk about as a church family. And then I'm going to come back to this text and share how it applies to us today. So Exodus 13, verses 17 through 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkot and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're your people. And we are absolutely committed to following you. You are the senior pastor. You are the chief shepherd of this church. And as the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire guided the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, your people have never stopped following you. You are on a mission. You are calling us into this mission with you as you have called the Mead family into theirs. You have called us into ours. And so, Lord, we trust you and ask that you would lead our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. God is on a mission, church. God is on a mission to redeem this world from sin and Satan, and death. Moments ago, we laid hands on the Mead family and we commissioned them and sent them into the mission that God has prepared for them in the Arab Gulf. But make no mistake, Jesus is the first missionary. Jesus is the one who left his home in heaven, left eternal glory, left his throne, left his father in heaven to come to earth. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. He cared for the afflicted and he laid down his life. He laid down his will. He laid down his his right to be served. And he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so that anyone who believed would not perish but have eternal life. And then Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to empower his church to be on mission. Jesus is on the move and we are simply to follow him. 
all of our lives, all of the Christian faith is simply following Jesus in his mission. See, mission is not just for missionaries. Okay, mission is for the church. Theologian Christopher Wright said, mission was not made for the church, but the church was made for mission. God's mission. God is on a mission to redeem the world from sin and Satan and death. And to do so, he started a church. And he empowered that church to be on his mission. This is the mission that we receive from Jesus himself. Reality Carpinteria, we must be about God's mission. We must be about God's mission. Being on mission is not a special calling for some Christians. Being a Christian is a special calling and Christians are on mission. And so Reality Carp, you are not only called to send people into God's mission, but you have been sent. You have been sent into God's mission. For the sake of God's mission, some people leave home. They go to faraway places and they preach the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard his name. But many stay close to home. And they remain in their homes and their families and their communities and their schools and their workplaces and, and their friends and relationships. That's their mission field to bring the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard how beautiful he is, how wonderful he is, how he is a savior, how he is our treasure. If you've ever been on a short-term mission trip or if you've been a part of the Reality family for uh, long enough that you've attended one of our prayer tours when we plant uh, churches, then you know that when you're in the mission field and you're on a prayer tour, you live a little differently. You do. Sometimes missionaries spend years. Garrett and Kim had spent 12 years preparing for this mission. And so you learn the language and you learn the culture and you learn the idols of the culture and you pray for the people and you prepare to be on the ground there. And when you're on the ground, you're more, you're more present to the needs of the community. You are there for the sole purpose of preaching the gospel and ministering to Jesus. And so you're more likely to share the good news with someone. You're more likely to pray with someone. You're, you're there asking every day, God, would you use me according to your mission in this place? And it's not easy, but it's a commitment that we make when we're on a short-term missions trip or we're on a prayer tour because we have a mission. What if we lived in Carpinteria like that? What if you lived in, in your spheres of influence like that, where you prayed that God would give you insight into the culture? That God would give you understanding and favor and an ability to communicate the gospel in a unique way to this person or that person or these people. What if we lived this way in our homes? Do you want to see Carpinteria change? Do you want to see revival, church? Then we must be on God's mission. We must be about his work. The reason we don't often live this way in our hometown is because we're comfortable. And mission requires us to get uncomfortable. On a short-term missions trip or on a prayer tour, we can choose to be uncomfortable for a moment. We can risk being rejected 
by, by those we know we'll never see again. But it's much harder to be a hometown prophet among people we know and among people who know us. And so mission requires that we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we can do that for a week to devote ourselves to prayer in Honolulu. It's much more difficult to do that at home for a lifetime. But Jesus knows what it means to be uncomfortable. See, leaving the comforts of the kingdom of God to become weak, to become a human baby and experience all of life as we do, yet without sin. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God with perfect grace and truth. And he was rejected for it. He knows what it's like to be uncomfortable in the mission field. He should have been received with incredible fanfare, pomp and circumstance, ushered into Jerusalem, seated on the throne in the palace, the crown placed upon his head, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he was forcibly dragged out of the city, made to carry his own cross. There's no throne. He was crucified with a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus knows what it means to be uncomfortable for the sake of the mission of God. And so as Hebrews 12, 2 says, in our own mission, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I wish I could tell you that if you did mission perfectly, everyone would love you. But the truth is, if we do mission perfectly, you're going to get mixed results. The Apostle Paul says that the church is the aroma of Christ, the aroma of life leading to life and the aroma of death leading to death. Those who have received Jesus will experience your presence as a beautiful thing, the aroma of life leading to life. But those who are rejecting Jesus will experience your presence as a very ugly thing. They don't want to hear it. They don't want the mission of God. And so if you do it right, you will be treated like Jesus was treated, which was not always pleasant. Just because mission is difficult doesn't mean that God is not in it. So God has a variety of ways of sending people into the mission field. We get an example of this in Acts chapter 13 when the apostle uh, Paul and, and Barnabas are praying in Antioch with the church there. They're praying and they're fasting and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And so they, they fast and pray and they lay hands on Barnabas and Saul, and they send him into the mission that, that they were choosing, much like we just did with Garrett and Kim. They, they chose it. They wanted it. They've been preparing for this. It came to them in favorable or pleasant circumstances even. But God also calls people into the mission field through hardship. Think about when in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was martyred, the first martyr 
of the Christian church and the church in Jerusalem was scattered. And because they fled, the gospel spread. God used that scattering to bring the gospel to all sorts of places in the world. We get another example of this. We know from history and from scripture that there was actually a time in Rome's history when all of the Jews and Christians were kicked out of Rome simply for being Jews and Christians. Caesar was so tired of the theological arguments. He just said, get out. And they were banished. And because they were banished, believers like Priscilla and Aquila, they left Rome. And they landed in Corinth and they brought the good news of Jesus. And because they were scattered, because the Christians spread, the gospel spread with them. So wherever we go and however God gets us there, whether home or abroad, we must be on mission. However, the way we get there will not always be pleasurable. It may sometimes be painful circumstances that lead us into God's mission, but wherever we go, we must bring the good news of Jesus. And so church, you have been sent. You have been sent into God's mission and we are being sent together. We are being sent in a new way, Reality Carpinteria, in a new season. And I must warn you, it is not going to be easy. I have prayed and I have fasted and I have begged God for the wisdom, for the words to share with you today that must be shared. And all I can do is is lean into the love that Jesus has for you the trust that I have for you as brothers and sisters in Christ, as men and women who are committed to this church. And I just want to share with you the whole story. In May of this year, our landlord reached out to us and invited us to begin negotiating a new lease for this space because our lease expires at the end of August 2023. And he asked us to sign a lease 13 months in advance. August 1st of this year, just passed, asked us to sign a lease 13 months in advance of the expiration of our current lease. We came to you on July 31st and we shared this news with you and we shared with you the decision that was made by our elders and our board of trustees and and our deacons that we were not ready to sign a lease yet that far in advance. And a primary reason for that was not only the incredible cost of this lease, upwards of $40,000 a month and 46% of our annual budget. That cost is certainly something to be considered but also because we were approached by Pastor Jim Reinbach from Carpinteria Valley Baptist, who believed that God was calling him to invite Reality Carpinteria to participate and partner with them in a way that would potentially lead to us inheriting and operating out of their building. We shared this with you at a community dinner in in early October. We shared this with some of you after church uh, the following week, invited you to those conversations in October and invited you to pray and process with us. 
We asked you all to keep it prayerful and private because it wasn't a done deal. And, and the, the congregation there might not go for this. And that's fine if they don't. Many of you have been fasting. You've been praying. Uh, I know many of you have uh, driven out of your way in Carpinteria to go drive past that corner on 8th and Maple and say a quick prayer. Just, Lord, your will be done. Thank you. Thank you for praying with us in this. 100% confident that God has heard your prayers, that God is answering your prayers. Recently, we got word from Pastor Jim at Carpentry of Valley Baptist that they are not ready to consider a partnership with us at this time. They are wrestling with their sustainability as a church and can't uh, immediately jump to this idea of giving or selling their building. And that's okay. That's fine. This was always a potential possibility. We trusted the Lord. We desired his, his will for us. We entered into prayer and the Lord answered. That Carpentry of Valley Baptist and, and, and that building, there is not something that reality can pursue right now. And that's okay. This means God must have other plans for us. Upon receiving this news, um, our elders and board of trustees and deacons, we began talking and we began developing a, a plan. We, we, we realized that, okay, if that's falling through, then we really have two options. We either continue to rent here or we rent elsewhere. Lest the Lord, you know, provide a way for us to own somehow, we really have two options. Rent here or rent elsewhere. And prior to the conversation with Carpentry of Valley Baptist, we began developing a plan that would give us a fighting chance to stay. It involved uh, asking the landlord for a reduction in rent. It involved asking more generosity of you all, more than you already faithfully give. It required us reaching out to the Reality Family of Churches to ask them for financial support from their church planting budget. It involved us sectioning off areas in this building to uh, sublease to other organizations in town. Um, And it involved us temporarily pausing 5% of our tithe on the tithe that we normally give to church planting and, and funding back into this replant of Reality Carpinteria. And we believed that this would give us a a fighting chance. And so last Sunday, we invited you to a prayer meeting that took place on Wednesday. And the plan for that prayer meeting was to bring this proposal to you all. Is God calling us to stay and, 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 and fight for this place? Or is God calling us to go? We needed to invite the congregation into this to pray with us and to hear from the Lord together. But I knew we needed more time as well. So I reached out to our landlord and I said, give us to the end of the year. Just give us to the end of the year to negotiate a lease that's, that's, that's mutually beneficial for our people and, and for you. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. And so on Friday, not this past Friday, but the one before that, just over a week ago, I reached back out and I said, just give us to the end of the month. Just give us to the end of the month so we can bring our people into this and and pray and make a decision together. 
and I didn't receive a response for several days. Last Sunday, um, after church, I went on a retreat with all of the lead pastors from the Reality Family of Churches. We met up on the Central Coast, beautiful Napomo, California. And all nine of us are there for the first time since we recently, many of us recently stepped into our, our new roles. And one of the things that we do when we're together is we give personal and church updates and we pray for each other. And so I went before them and I told them what was going on in the church. And I just said, you know, after, after being in this place for almost 20 years as a church, uh, we, need, we need wisdom. It's not, it's not a, a clear cut decision. We're going to have to make some significant sacrifices if God is calling us to stay in this building. But it's also been our home. And so it's a tough decision that God is inviting us into to make this decision. And we just need wisdom and we just need clarity. And I told them, I said, we're going to talk to the church on Wednesday and invite them into this, this process with us to, to, to discern the Lord's will. And so they got me in the center of the room and they laid hands on me and they prayed for you. And they prayed above all else that God would bring clarity now, I must say, Reality Carpenteria, y'all are so loved. Y'all are so loved. These pastors know where they came from. These churches know that they were raised up and sent out from within these walls. You have prayed for, supported, and sent out churches all over this country, all over this world. And even the pastors that weren't personally raised up here and sent out here, second generation pastors, they know where they came from. They know where their churches came from and they love you and they prayed for you. And I was a weepy, puddly mess. Feeling the love that they have for you. And above all else, they prayed that God would make it clear. They prayed that God would make the way forward clear. And church, I kid you not, 30 minutes later, the landlord responded. He responded to say that a new lease has been signed with a new tenant for this space. And so what this means is as of September 1st, 2023, just a little more than nine months from now. This won't be our home anymore. After almost 20 years, the Lord will provide for us a new home. Now I know how difficult that is for many of you to hear. It, it is not lost on me that many of you literally built the stage I'm standing on. Built this church. Many of you have prayers written on these walls under the paint. Your children's names written under the stage with prayers. Maybe your name that your parents wrote in this place is here. 
the history inside these walls, the missionaries that have been sent, the churches that have been planted, the lives that have been changed. Many of you are here today because you met Jesus in these seats. It's not lost on me. That's not lost on any of us. I know that this is difficult news to hear. Many of you feel sad, I'm sure. Maybe you're angry, you're frustrated. I am too. I'm sorrowful for you, church. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Some of you may be looking for someone to blame. Only creates bitterness. It's been said that bitterness is like drinking deadly poison, hoping it will kill somebody else. Look, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he didn't blame. He knew that what the Lord was doing was for good. When Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't blame those who were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I encourage you, don't. Don't pass blame. This is something that God is doing. Just because it's difficult, it does not mean that God is not in it. But just because we believe that God is in it doesn't mean that it isn't still painful. I remember moving my family from our house in Burbank during the pandemic, not knowing where we would end up, knowing that we were going to spend some time in Santa Maria with family for a while, not knowing if we would go back to LA, not knowing what the Lord's will was for us, but we knew that God had something better. But it was the only home my kids have ever known. And so we had faith, we believed, but we still walked from room to room and we sat on the carpet once everything was removed from the house and we cried and we prayed and we told stories. We knew that God had something better for us, but it doesn't make it any less difficult when you're losing the home you've ever known. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is in control, but sometimes we don't allow ourselves to feel the raw emotion of change and loss because of our theology. And I'm begging you, do not suppress your heart under the banner of faith today. Yes, we have faith, but we still need to feel what we're feeling. You have every right to feel however you do. And I want to encourage you to take the full weight of your heart to God. He is able to carry you as he moves us into a new season of mission. In fact, so important is it that we don't ignore the opportunity to bear our hearts to God. That I actually want us to stop and pray now. Okay, the psalmist gives us a beautiful pattern for how to, how to pray through difficult circumstances. First, we 
acknowledge who God is, right? We, we declare his attributes and then the psalmist prays his heart. God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from answering me, God? Why don't you hear me? He prays how he honestly feels, but then he prays his hopes. God, deliver, be a strength, a fortress, a refuge for me, deliver me. He prays his heart and he prays his hopes, but then he always rests in trust. And so this is what I want us to do. I'm going to open us up in prayer. And then I'm going to just give silence. And in the quietness of your heart, you can bear your heart to God. In the quietness of your heart, you can pray your hopes to God. If the Lord gives you such boldness, you can pray it so that we can all hear. But we're going to spend some time in prayer before we continue our time together. Will you pray with me? God, we declare that you are good. You are faithful all the time. God, you are abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord, we just declare that you are our home. Our home is in Christ. We know that you will never leave us or forsake us. But God, this is hard news. When our hearts are broken. And God, more than anything right now, I pray that your presence would be with us. Comforting, encouraging, providing for us whatever we need in this time. And now church, I just want to be silent for a moment. And as the Lord leads in the quietness of your heart or out loud, if you are so bold, Let's bear our honest hearts to God. Yes, Jesus, thank you that you hear our prayers, that you know our hearts. Lord, the, the things that we can acknowledge and the things that you know are, are, are deep beneath the surface, God. You know all things. And Lord, we trust you with our pains, we trust you with our sorrows. We trust you with our fears, our anxieties, Lord. We trust you with our anger. You know our hopes and dreams, but you know the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper your people and not to harm them. And so God, I ask that you would provide your church with a home place for your presence in our midst, Lord, a place of permanence in this community. We trust you for that. But also, God, we believe that our home was never in a building. Our home was never in a geographical location. Our home is in you. And so we rest and trust in you patiently, waiting for the future that you have planned for us, whether here or elsewhere. Lord, empower us for your mission in this community. 
ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, several months ago, before all of this started to go down, I've known that this building, being as expensive as it is, was going to have to be addressed at some point. And I was actually sitting outside of dark coffee in the funk zone, just praying. Probably looked foolish, like talking to myself, sitting there all alone. And I sensed God asking me a strange question. He said, Adam, do you believe that reality's building is Egypt, the wilderness, or the promised land? See, rooted in Israel's history, Egypt was not only the place of oppression, it would become that, but Egypt was the place of prosperity where God's people grew and became a great nation. So great that Pharaoh was threatened and began to oppress them. And so God delivered them from Egypt. The wilderness is not just the place of hardship and obscurity. It's the place where God's people entered into covenant with God. They learned their identity as the children of God, where God gave them the law and purified them. The promised land is their place of permanence where God's presence dwelled in the temple in the midst of Israel. And it was, it was, the, it was, it was, it was you know, flowing with milk and honey full of abundance. And I just felt God saying, Adam, what do you think? Egypt, the wilderness, or the promised land? And I said, God, I don't know if it's Egypt or if it's the promise, if it's Egypt or if it's the wilderness but I know it's not the promised land. The promised land is full of God's abundance. And if we stay in this building for too long, it's going to bleed us dry. You're either going to have to provide financially miraculously, or you're going to need to move us on. I sensed in that moment, God just saying, if it's not the promised land, then it's temporary. And you have to open your hands. Adam, you have to open your hands and hold this thing loosely because it's temporary. Are you willing to do that? And I would like to think in the moment that I responded faithfully, yes, Lord, I will open my hands. But it was probably something like, God, I hope so. I hope so. Maybe today feels like God is prying your hands open and asking you, will you let go of this thing? You know what I think? I hope so is a good place to start. God, I hope so. Because this is not our place of permanence. Last week, actually last Friday, the same day, I emailed the landlord to ask him for, to give us time till the end of the month. I was Praying in in Exodus 13 came to my mind and I said, no, God, the crossing of the Red Sea is in Exodus 14. I want to be in Exodus 14. He said, no, Exodus 13. You need to be in Exodus 13. So I read about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, how God guided them through the wilderness into their new home, into the promised land. And so Reality Carp, we've been sent into God's mission. 
And we are being sent into a new season of God's mission for our church. But make no mistake, Jesus is going before us. Jesus is going before us into this work. I believe that God has a place of permanence for us in this city. I don't know if it's our immediate future, but I believe that it is in our future. That God has a place of permanence for us in this city. And I believe that he wants to establish his presence in this community through the church. And church, though we may enter a season in the wilderness, I believe in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And I believe that the presence of God is going before us into this season. And I am begging God to show you his presence in the fire to show our church his presence with us, to show us how he is on the move so that we, all we must do is put one foot in front of the other and follow him. You know, when that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was guiding God's people through the wilderness, sometimes it would stop in desolate places. And the children of Israel would wonder, God, is there even any water here? Did you bring us here just to kill us? And God would provide water from rocks. He would provide miraculous streams in the desert for his people. Church, I just want you to think about God's faithfulness to us. In very recent seasons, what God has been doing in our midst, I promise you, he did not bring us here to kill us. He did not bring us through what he has brought us through and into this season of joy and peace that we're experiencing just to be done with us. No, that pillar of cloud, that pillar of fire may be going through desolate places. Jesus is going before us. Jesus is on the move. Jesus is going to guide us into that new home. But we have to depend on Jesus in faith. Listen to me, church. If we are not willing to walk by faith, then who cares what happens in September 2023? We might as well not come back next Sunday. If we're not willing to walk by faith, church, let's close these doors. Because it is pointless to show up and and sing our little songs and read our ancient book if we are not going to live by the faith that the songs declare and the faith that the book demands. If we are not willing to walk by faith in the good seasons or the difficult seasons, then let's shut it down. We all got better things to do. Look, I want to live by knowledge. I want to walk by experience and understanding, but I can't get away from the scriptures that say the righteous will live by faith. And Reality Carp, we will live by faith. We will walk into this season by faith. We will walk through this season by faith. We will walk into whatever the Lord has for us by faith. Because it's always been by faith. It's always been by faith. 
a pillar of fire is preparing for us to leave this place. And where it takes us, we do not yet know. But as one of your pastors, I promise you that I am committed to following Jesus with you. To following Jesus together, wherever the Lord would lead. And it will be better for us to be in a parking lot in the rain where God's presence is than to be in the most beautiful of cathedrals if he is not there. He is our home. His presence is our home. And I'm not telling you not to be sad. I'm not telling you not to be angry. I'm telling you to feel what you are feeling, but bring what you're feeling to Jesus and trust in him. He is going before us. He is preparing the way. He will provide for us as we get there. As Jesus was preparing to die, he told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them, a place in his father's house, a place of glory in the eternal kingdom. And so our home is not a building. Our home is in heaven. Our home is in eternity where Jesus is because Jesus is our home. This is why Peter calls the church elect exiles, a precious possession, but we don't belong here. We don't belong in this world. We belong with Jesus and wherever Christ is present, we are home. And so I want to encourage you today to press into Jesus. Church, the enemy is gonna try to isolate you, separate you from the herd, get you by yourself, because he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The enemy is going to try to insulate you. You're going to show up, but you're not going to connect with people. And slowly but surely, you'll be present but distant. This is not a season to remain on the periphery. This is not a season to to be hesitant and disconnected. This is a season to press in, to press into Jesus, to press into scripture, to press into prayer, to press into fellowship, to press into community, to press in to those uncomfortable places and learning to be comfortable in the discomfort because Jesus is on a mission. He has called us to it. He will call us through it. Press in church. As far as I'm concerned, what takes place here on Wednesday nights when we meet for prayer and worship is as important as what happens here on Sundays. We are going to press into prayer. We are going to press into worship. We are going to press into Jesus. Wednesdays, 6.30 to 7.30, come and pray because we are following Jesus together. And that is where we remember that we follow Jesus on our knees in prayer. Press into Jesus. The scriptures say that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So draw near. Press in because Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to lose a home, to enter weakness, and to exist in obscurity as a poor carpenter in a poor family in an unimportant city. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless and he was dependent upon the generosity of those who believed his message and he was rejected by those he came to save. Not only cut off from his home, but cut off from life. And if he was willing to provide for us in this way, 
to provide a home for us in eternity, then how much can we trust him for a home in this world? How much can we trust in him for a home for our church? Jesus is not neglecting his church. Jesus is making new wine. What we've been experiencing as a church is new wine. And new wine requires new wineskins. And the Lord is preparing a place for us because this place cannot contain or cannot facilitate the work that God is going to do. He is moving us out and into new wineskins. This place has been a home to us, but it has been a home to us because Christ has been present with us. And so our home is in him. And so now I want us to draw near to him in faith, draw near in prayer, draw near in worship as he leads. I'm gonna close us in prayer. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. Look, I, I know what time it is. I know what time it is, but we need to give time to press in. We need time to respond. We need time to worship. Look, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If Job can say those words, enduring all he suffered, so can we. So let's press in now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you are faithful. You never leave us or forsake us. And this season is no different. Lord, many of us in this room, it's their first time here. Many in this room have their own difficulty in their own lives that they're experiencing. And maybe they don't know how to walk through this season that you have called them to. I pray that they would see the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire going before them, leading them in life. And that we too would experience the security of your presence, not the security of a building, the security of your presence, guiding us in this mission that you have called us to, to Carpinteria, the coastlands and the nations. Lord, you give and you take away and blessed be the name of the Lord. God, stir our hearts up now in faith to respond however you lead. In worship, maybe it's a sacrifice of praise. Maybe we're not ready to sing these words and we just need these words to wash over us. Maybe we're going to fight the temptation to isolate and we're going to sing anyway. Maybe we need prayer. Prayer ministry is going to be available on the sides. God, I pray that you would draw people to prayer. God, we ask that you would stir our hearts to respond according to your leading, that we would begin the season of following you now, that we would follow you because you are good. Father, you are a father to the fatherless. You are a home to the homeless. We desperately need you. In Jesus' name, amen.